Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus have far been, in, but thus have far, far have been in, prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. All right, well, I hope your Bibles will be open with us uh, to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. Dax, Aaron, congratulations. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, that's exciting. That's very exciting. Uh, we'll continue to pray for you. Um, I'm almost in tears because I, I know that's, that's something that's been going on for a while. And that's, that's, that's exciting. I'm, 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 I'm kind of jazzed now. So um, that's wonderful, wonderful news. All right, well, Romans 1, 8 through 15. One of the evidences, one of the evidences that you have been saved and changed and that you are now growing in Christ is that your desires are no longer what they used to be. No longer are you as driven by a, a desire maybe for wealth or for fame. No longer is, is worldly success the goal for which you strive. You have begun to fall out of love with those things because you have fallen in love with Christ. Test yourself. Are you in Christ? Is that true of you? You love everything about Christ. You love His patience. You love His kindness. You love His righteousness. You love His purity. There was a time before you were saved, before you were converted, when, when maybe you loved the opposite of these. Maybe you used to love impatience. You would look at someone who, who knew how to get what they wanted, when they wanted it, and you said, that's what I want to be like. But now that Christ has entered your life, that kind of impatience, it's a stench in your nose. Patience is beautiful to you. Because patience describes your God. Describes your Savior. Maybe you used to love unkindness. Maybe you were one of those where a couple of guys would start fighting in your high school and you'd join around and fight, fight, fight. You know, and you just, you just get excited. You wanted to watch the violence. But now there's been a change in your life and you look back and you think, how foolish. Kindness. That's the hard thing. To respond with forgiveness and love when someone strikes at you. That's the bigger man. Kindness. That's, that's what describes my Savior. And therefore, I love it. It's kind of like a young man who is 
fallen in love. He's head over heels in love with a girl. And suddenly he's drawn to anything and everything that reminds him of her. She, she sends him a, a letter and, and after he, he reads the letter, he takes it to his nose and smells it just to, just to have her scent and it, it warms his heart. He hears a song that, that she likes on the radio or he, he sees a book in the bookstore that he knows she likes it, and he's drawn to these things. Anything that reminds him of her, he loves. Well, if we are Christians, that is to be what is happening in us. Anything we see that reminds us of our Savior, we love. So when I see patience in someone, when I see mercy in someone, when I see a a zeal for truth in someone, those things excite us because they remind us of the Savior that we love. We love joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control because those things remind us of our God. And so... Our goals have changed. No longer are our goals what they used to be, desiring for for worldly forms of success. Now our goals are all about character. I want to be the kind of person that is like the Savior I love. I have a wedding day coming. Jesus is going to come and He's going to get His church and we're going to be a fit bride for Him, holy. So what is my desire? What is your desire as a Christian? It should be less and less of wealth, fame, uh, sensual pleasures, the ways of the world. It should be less of that and it should be more of, I want to be holy. I want to be a more patient father. I want to be a more sacrificial husband. I want to be a more considerate son. My life, I want want to be a more faithful, gentle pastor. I I want to grow in holiness. Those are the kinds of goals that we should be having now that we have seen the beauty of Christ. I've sometimes talked about how we have a tendency, naturally, to want to become like the people we love. That's why people walk around with Brett Favre jerseys on. Derek Jeter jerseys on, right? That's why Jonathan puts on a Spider-Man costume and goes outside to play. We want to be like those who have captured our hearts and our affections. And as Christians, that means we want to be like our Savior. We want to be like Christ. Because everything about Him is wonderful to us. Let me share with you some good news. If if your heart resonates with what I'm saying, that's a good sign. If your heart is not resonating with that, it's a bad sign. You need to go to Christ and be saved. But if your heart's resonating with that and you're saying, yes, Justin, that's, that's how I am. I love Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to share with you some good news. The Bible tells us that that is what Jesus wants for you as well. That Jesus wants to make you like Himself. Indeed, if you are His, He will make you like Himself. He died on the cross so that God could justly put His Spirit in your heart and begin that process of making you a godly man, a godly woman, fit for Christ in heaven forever. What's more... Even as I'm preaching, Jesus is working through this preaching event by His Holy Spirit towards that goal. He is gradually 
patiently conforming you to his image. He is making you holy. And on the day you die or he comes back, that work will be finished. Now, how is it that we become holy? I'm setting you up for our two verses in Romans 1. How is it that we become holy? Well, I quickly want to ask you to turn with me to another passage. You see, the Bible is very clear that this process of becoming Christ-like, we call it sanctification, is a process of becoming by beholding. Let me say that again. This process of becoming holy, of, of becoming a more patient person, a more gentle person, a more faithful person, a more uh, zealous for truth kind of person, all these things that you desire to be and I desire to be, this process of getting us from here to here, that process is a process of becoming by beholding. Everybody say becoming by beholding. Now let me show it to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 2 Corinthians 3.18 In 2 Corinthians 3.18 The Lord speaks to us through the Apostle Paul when he says, And we all, speaking of believers, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We as Christians, as we behold the Lord Jesus Christ, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory. And this is happening by command of the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. As we behold, we become. As we see and savor all that Jesus is, grips our hearts and we become like Him. The key to becoming is beholding. Jesus has given us the Bible. Creation. Our lives together as Christians. Baptism. The Lord's Supper. Prayer. All of these means of grace that Jesus has given us are given us for this purpose, to help us better behold Him. We are to see Jesus in a baptism. We are to see the glory of Christ in the Lord's Supper. We are to read every verse of the Bible with a view towards seeing more of Christ there. We're to see the, the character of Christ lived out and those who belong to Him. Everything that God, Christ has given you, He has given you so that through those means of grace, you will better see Him and therefore become more like Him. Here's the thing. It is possible to read a Bible and to look at the stars on a clear November evening and to be in a church involved in the lives of Christians, to take part in a Lord's Supper or to witness a baptism and to not see Jesus in any of it. You can take part in every one of those means of grace 
and not behold Jesus and not become like Jesus. We behold Christ in those things when we approach those things with faith. We see Christ in the means of grace and behold Him through the eyes of faith. Faith is embracing and treasuring Christ as He really is. Faith learns who Christ is, what He's done, what He's doing, what He will do, and faith rests in that Christ. And the more our faith grows, the sharper our focus becomes on who Jesus is and the better we behold Christ. Certainly, Christian, when you say today, I believe in Jesus, that name should mean more to you today than it did when you first confessed it. You've learned more about who Jesus is since you first professed His name. You've walked with Him through trials. You can honestly say, I know my Lord better today than I knew Him ten years ago. You have a better grasp on who He is. Your faith has grown so that that you have a sharper focus on who He is and you have a bigger view of His glory than you once did. And therefore, you are more in love with Him now than you were in the past. You see Him better now than you did then. You love to behold Him. And the more you behold Him, the more you become like Him. Have you ever taken a set of binoculars to a sporting event? or Maybe on a hunting trip. And you, and you look through the binoculars, right? And, you, and you're trying to, let's say you're at a sporting event, you're looking at someone, right? And you have that little wheel that helps focus the binoculars. I don't, I don't know what it's called, focusing will. Okay? You're looking through the binoculars, and the more you turn it, the clearer the picture gets. Well, here is when we first became a Christian, and we begin to see Christ in the stars, in the Bible, in church. And we're beginning to learn more about who He is and to behold Him. But as we grow in our faith, the image is getting clearer and clearer and clearer. And so we're beginning to see more and more of His glory. Oh, I always knew He was patient, but now I'm beginning to see so much more of the beauty of His patience as I experience it. And so, and so as your faith grows, the image is getting clearer and clearer. And as it's getting clearer, you're falling more and more in love with what you're seeing. And as you're falling more and more in love with what you're seeing, you're becoming more and more like what you're seeing. So that the cry of your heart is, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see more of you. Well, as we come to Romans 1, verses 11 and 12. Romans 1, 11 and 12. I want these two verses to make sense to you. And they won't make sense unless you get this. The way we become holy is by growing in our faith so that we can better see and savor Christ. Our faith, our, our, our understanding of Christ, our acceptance of Christ, our view of who Christ is must become clearer, must become sharper, so that we can better see Him. And the more we see Him, the more our faith is strengthened, the more we will grow in holiness. This is a poor illustration. I'm going to use it because maybe it will help some of the kids and the youth in here. You see if it makes sense to you. Imagine you were at the World Series this past weekend. You're sitting way up high 
in the top of the, the new Yankee Stadium in New York. And you take out your binoculars and you begin to focus on your favorite player. Maybe it's A-Rod. Maybe you're an A-Rod fan. And imagine as you, as you focus in on A-Rod, and as you slowly begin to turn that focusing wheel and get a sharper focus of who A-Rod is, imagine that somehow, mysteriously, things started happening to you. Your arms start getting bigger. Right? Your abs suddenly tighten up, and you have a six-pack. Right? And all of a sudden, A-Rod's ability to, to hit the ball is, is your ability to hit the ball. And his ability to, to snatch the fastball out of the air he, he, is your ability. And, and the more you focus in on A-Rod, the more you are becoming like A-Rod. Well, similarly, Jesus has loved us so much that He's given us a whole set of different binoculars to look at Him through. The Bible. Prayer, church, Lord's Supper, all those means of grace. And He's given us faith so that when we look through those binoculars, we see Him. And now, as our faith gets stronger and stronger, our view of Him gets better and better. And the image that was at, that was at first somewhat obscure, somewhat blurry, begins to get clear. And as we see Him clearer and clearer, we become more and more like Him. His patience grows in us. His wisdom, we look at His wisdom, we love His wisdom, we see His wisdom, and we begin to find His wisdom growing in us. We, we meditate on His righteousness, we see His righteousness in the Bible, we see His righteousness lived out in the lives of our brothers and sisters. We, we love it, we meditate on it, and it begins to grow in us. Point. If you want to be a godlier man or a godlier woman, a better friend, a better employer, a better employee, a more faithful church member, if you want to be a holier person, then what you need is for your faith to be strengthened, your view of Christ, better eyesight. That's what we need. Because the better we behold Christ, the more we will become like Christ. And one way according to these two verses, that we strengthen our faith is through the faith of other believers. Look with me at verses 11 and 12. Paul, communicating to this church in Rome, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is... It's not just one way, it's a two-way street. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Follow along with me closely. Do you see the two words strengthen and encouraged? Right? Verse 11, give to strengthen you. Verse 12, that is, we may be mutually encouraged. Some of your translations may have the word establish instead of strengthen. I think strengthens the better translation there, to be honest. But these two words in the Greek, strengthen, establish, and encourage, they mean almost exactly the same thing. Even our English word, encourage, you think about what it means. Encourage, it means to give courage. It means to give more strength. Paul wants to visit this church in Rome so that in their fellowship together, they will strengthen one another. But what will become stronger? What kind of strength is Paul saying that he, that he wants to see happen? 
Is he saying that, that I want to strengthen you and you strengthen me physically? Are we going to get buff in our fellowship together? No, of course not. What Paul is talking about here when he says strengthen, he's talking about their faith and his faith. He longs to see them so that through their fellowship with one another, he and they will see their faith increased. He and they will see Jesus better and have a better view of Jesus' glory because of their time together. Mount Hermon Missionary Baptist Church, this should be what we desire for our fellowship together. Whether it's in this room on Sundays, in the Sunday school classes, in the Wednesday night care meeting, in the men's Bible studies, the women's Bible studies, whether it's in our our times in each other's homes, having meals together, in every example of our fellowship, the goal should be that Christ would use us to help sharpen one another's focus on Him. The goal is that we would know more of Christ's love more of Christ's patience, more of Christ's mercy, more of Christ's righteousness, more of Christ's power, more of Christ's goodness, because we have been together. The goal of fellowship is a stronger faith, a better understanding and love for all that Christ is, a greater glimpse of His glorious character, so that we fall even more in love with Him and become more like Him. All right, but how does that happen, Justin? How does, how does it happen? Do we just, just hang out together and it just, it just happens? I mean, what, what, how, how does this work? How does God use us being together in our Christian lives? How does God use my faith to strengthen your faith? How does God use your faith to strengthen my faith? It is by faith. Notice verse 12. Look at verse 12 that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So my faith is going to be strengthened by your faith. Your faith's going to be strengthened by, by my faith. But how does that work? What does that mean, Paul? Well, apparently, one of the ways it works is through spiritual gifts. Notice in these two verses how Paul parallels Spiritual gifts in verse 11 with faith in verse 12. When we're reading verse 11, we read this. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's. And you would expect him to say spiritual gifts, right? I want to come to you so that I can impart a spiritual gift to help you. That is, that we can both be encouraged by each other's spiritual gifts. But instead of saying it that way, he uses the word faith. You see it in verse 12. He he replaces the word spiritual gifts with faith. He makes them connect with one another. There There is a tight connection between faith and spiritual gifts. Somehow, my rest in Christ, my trust in Christ, my my view of Christ and all that He is, and my reliance upon Him, my faith is connected to those areas of my life in which I am spiritually stronger and able to serve others who may be less strong in those areas. 
I spent a lot of time this week trying to figure out what in the world that means and how it works. I'm going to give you my attempt to explain this practically. The only way I know to do it is, is do a little story. So here we go. I want to tell you about Kim and Pam. Kim and Pam. Kim and Pam are both Christians, and they both love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're sharing a meal together at the shiny diner. Okay, so there's the view. We've got Kim and Pam having lunch together at the shiny diner. And they share with each other things that are going on in one another's lives. So Pam listens as Kim talks about some of the issues that she's currently going through. So here's Pam. She's listening to Kim. Kim is sharing about some of the trials that she's going through in her Christian life. And Jesus, as it happens, in His sovereignty on His throne, has given Pam a unique love for the wisdom of Jesus. Pam loves to think about how Jesus' commands in the Bible are so perfect and so helpful. And if people would just listen to Jesus and apply what he says, they would be saved from so much trouble. And that just resonates in Pam's heart. She loves the wisdom of Jesus. When she thinks about Christ, her view of Christ in some other areas is not nearly as clear. But when it comes to the wisdom of Christ, oh, she sees it and she loves it and it means everything to her. And so as she listens to Kim share the troubles that she's going through. Some of these wise commands of Jesus that would bring clarity and help to Kim's life, they're just popping up in Pam's mind because Pam loves the wisdom of Jesus so much she's just thinking, oh, that command from Matthew, that's going to help her. Oh, that command from Ephesians, that's going to help her. And so she's just ready for Kim to stop talking so she can tell Kim, look, here's what Jesus says that can help you. Now, we might say that Pam has the spiritual gift of, of wisdom or of encouragement, maybe even of of teaching. But that's just a name. What's really happening here at the root is, is what's happening in Pam's faith. She has beheld the wisdom of Christ. The wisdom of Christ is glorious to her. And because of that, it's begun to grow in her own life. And now, because that's an area in which she is particularly strong, she's going to open her mouth and be a counsel of a fountain of wisdom to Kim. Pam's faith is used by Christ to strengthen Kim's faith through this spiritual gift. If Kim will take what Pam is giving her, she will hear the wisdom of Christ and what's being said. And if she heeds what Pam says, she will begin to see how those commands are truly wise and her grasp of the wisdom of Christ will grow. So Pam's grasp of the wisdom of Christ through her faith is used through this spiritual gift to give Kim a greater grasp of that aspect of Christ. Let me do it the opposite way. Maybe Kim... Maybe Kim has a a deep love for the grace of Christ. I mean, every Christian, when we think about Christ giving himself for us on the cross, is moved by that. But Kim is uniquely moved by it. She can't get over it. It has revolutionized her life. God's son in my place? She loves to think about 
the grace of Christ given to her. She, she likes to listen to songs that tell her about the grace of Christ given to her. Just in her heart, there's a special place for that aspect of Jesus. You wouldn't want Kim teaching a Sunday school class. That's, that's not where she is. But she, she loves the grace of Christ. And because she loves it, and because she meditates on it, and because it means so much to her, it's begun to appear in her life. She's become more sacrificial herself. Because she loves to think about how Christ has forgiven her, she's become more forgiving herself. Because she loves to think of how Christ sacrificed for her, she's become the, the, the person on, at church who, who loves to stay and clean up afterwards. Because she just likes to sacrifice to help others to be like the Savior she loves. So when the check comes at the shiny diner, Kim immediately picks it up. You know, She doesn't make a big deal about it. She says, you know, Pam, it would, it, would, it would do my heart good. Let me serve you by taking this. And we might say she has the spiritual gift of generosity, right? benevolence. But what's really happening here is she, in her faith, has a particular good view of Christ's grace. And it has become something vibrant in her life that is now being exercised to others. Maybe Pam, she hasn't had quite that view of Christ's grace, but she's now seen it lived out before her. She knows. My lunch has been covered because of what Christ has done in this lady's life. I'm a recipient of grace. And so her, her view of Christ's grace is amplified. It's a really complex illustration. Did, does that make sense? Does that make sense how that works? I think that's right. Faith builds faith through spiritual gifts. So in this little lunch meeting at the shiny diner, most people in that room would have just seen two ladies talking. Sit down, they talk, they eat, they get up, they leave. They don't understand that in that hour, Jesus on his throne was doing supernatural, miraculous things right there at that table. That Jesus was using the faith of one to strengthen and sanctify the other and was using the faith of this one to strengthen and sanctify the other in their respective spiritual gifts. That is what is to happen in our fellowships together. Not Fake fellowship, not getting together and talking about the weather. Genuine fellowship. Anything we can to point each other to Christ with our words and with our actions. They left the restaurant with a better view of Christ, a greater love for Christ. They're holier, they're happier, and Christ did this through their mutual faith expressed in spiritual gifts. That's why Paul wants to go to Rome. He loves this church. We've already seen that. He wants to be of help to this church. He knows that they can be of help to him. He wants to use his spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching to serve them. He wants them to use their spiritual gifts towards him. And all of them will grow because of it. And Jesus is sovereign in bringing about the whole thing on his throne in heaven. So here's the key implication for us. We as Christians are gifts from Jesus to one another. We are instruments in the hands of the Redeemer being used to strengthen one another. Therefore, when we neglect genuine, meaningful fellowship together, we rob ourselves of a very valuable means of grace in our lives. Do not say, that you long to grow in godliness, and that you long to be a more patient, faithful, wise, mature believer, if you are neglecting real involvement 
in the lives of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's like a person complaining because they're thirsty when the glass of water is sitting in front of them. Christ has said, through fellowship with my people, I will grow you. Do you want to grow? Get involved in the lives of my people. By God's grace, we have in this church men and women who are gifted by God in some very unique ways. We have men and women that excel in wisdom, others that excel in generosity, and others that excel in service. All Christians have been spiritually gifted in some way. So if you see an area of your life in which you want to grow, look at our church and say, who in our church excels at that? And go hang around them. Learn from them. See what moves them to live as they do. Let us live in love for one another. And as we do, Christ will use our various gifts to strengthen one another and to sharpen our focus on that aspect of Him displayed in their lives so that we behold Christ in them. And as we behold Him, we become like Him. Are you forsaking this vital means of grace? Is the fellowship of believers precious to you? Ask yourself this question. Can you give testimony of how God has used many of the brothers and sisters in this room to strengthen your faith? And if you can't, why not? Could it be that you have too often neglected to spend time with them? Maybe in their homes? Maybe in the the care meeting on Wednesday night? We're in our outreach projects together. Have you robbed yourself of the opportunity to benefit from these other believers? Let me ask it the opposite way. If you are a Christian, do you see how you too might be robbing them from the benefit they might receive from you? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you understand that Jesus wills to use you to strengthen their faith? If not for your own sake, then certainly for the sake of the brothers and sisters in Christ that you love, you should not neglect the fellowship, for in doing so, you harm them as well as yourself. You leave them lacking. Finally, let me press upon us The importance of continually beholding Christ in His Word, in Christian fellowship, in creation, in all the other means of grace. We are to look to Jesus. We are to look upon Jesus every day. Seek to be freshly affected by Christ every day. The more you behold Him, the more by God's grace you will fall in love with Him and the more you will become like Him. If you neglect your Bible study, if you neglect Christian fellowship, if you neglect the Lord's Supper, if you neglect the means of grace, your view of Christ will grow weaker and weaker and weaker and your love for Christ will go weaker and weaker and weaker and before long you haven't been to church in a year and you don't know why. You didn't plan it that way. It just happened. Grow by beholding Christ. 
we begin to fall away by beholding everything else except for Christ. Fight to behold Him every day. Your flesh does not want you to. Your flesh will make you too tired to read the Bible. Your flesh will make you be tempted to, yeah, I know I need to go to church tonight, but there's this going on, or there's this show on. Or that. Your flesh will do everything it can to keep you from beholding Christ. Fight to behold Him. Fight like He's the love of your life, and you've got to get to Him. Because I pray He is. For your own sake, for the sake of those you love, for the sake of your witness, for the sake of God's glory, see and savor Jesus Christ every day and marvel as Christ causes you to make great progress in godliness. Let's pray. This message was undoubtedly for, mainly for believers, for Christians, but I am well aware that there